Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, here with my co-host, Father David Tickerhoof, TOR. And we're going to be opening this up, um, this conversation, to really important conversation. And I'm just really excited to see where this goes. We're going to be talking about baptism in fire. And this is taken from Matthew, um, the scripture in Matthew, where the Lord said, or John the Baptist, right, said that um, that one greater than him would come and he would baptize you in the Holy Spirit in fire. And so I'm just going to give this over to Father David because he's got a lot to say about this. And let's get this party started. God bless to everybody. It's good to uh, see you. I'm going to talk about uh, spiritual human integration and spiritual renewal in the life of the church flowing from Vatican Council too. And I just want to say by a short introduction before we get into the heart of the matter that uh, the Vatican Council II finished up in 1965. And flowing from that in the Catholic Church and in other Christian uh, denominations and groupings, the work of the Holy Spirit took on a highly personalized impact upon people. In the first instance, some people call it a charismatic renewal. Other people call, call it times of enlightenment and revival. But in the instance, what would happen is a person would feel that emptiness and the struggles of life and everything else and feeling a sort of a, a helplessness. And they would be searching and searching and knowing something they needed. And they would come and go through a seminar, the Life in the Spirit seminar, and they would experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which came to be known in the Catholic Church and the Catholic world as the charismatic renewal. And that occurred uh, in about 1966, and it spread all over the place. And what came out of that experience when people would uh, uh, taste the deeper life and goodness and power of the Spirit and the spiritual gifts and the relationship with Jesus and the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would take on a whole new characteristic. That was what would happen in a charismatic renewal. The forms of it were uh, flowed out of the things like prayer groups, small share groups, uh, Bible studies, and covenant communities were a whole development of that in the 60s and in the 70s. And that went on for a good number of years. But at this point now, uh, in a certain sense, that phase of the church's grace of renewal, which is the charismatic renewal and other, re- other movements of grace that were uh, along with the charismatic renewal, has pretty well over. Many of the folks have gone home to the Lord that were initiating. The people that were then in their 20s and 30s and 40s are now in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. 
And that whole time has has come to a completion, and most prayer groups have sort of died out, and uh, individuals have gotten involved in mercy work and in prayer group things, and they've sort of uh, many blessings have come from this phase of the of the um, the church's grace of renewal the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the the charismatic renewal. So that's the first aspect of the same grace of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual empowerment of the Holy Spirit, primarily geared towards human development and spiritual maturity through the charismatic renewal. Now, in recent years, over the last four or five years, a second phase, and a certain second installment or a second deepening revelation of the graces of the work of the Holy Spirit has been known in the Catholic Church as the encounter movement. And it's centered usually up in Brighton, Michigan, and it's moving in different parishes and places and groups uh, all over the uh, Catholic world. And what the encounter movement is taking the deepening of the personal relationship with God and the maturity that comes from that and the healing that comes from that. And then now that has moved to where the focus is on uh, understanding what the graces of the Holy Spirit were, were to the church in the charismatic renewal and also understanding and practicing the uses of the spiritual gifts, which in a real sense, generally speaking, was ignored in pretty much. They used the gifts or did the gifts of prophecy, praying in tongues, uh, whatever, healing and things like that. They they just went along with it, but they didn't grasp the, generally the church didn't grab on to the essentials of the, what those gifts and how important they are for an individual Christian. So this encounter movement is a refreshment and a deepening of the work and power of the Holy Spirit. And it would be a phase of the church's grace renewal in the charismatic renewal. Now, that's not enough, and this is what this discussion and this topic is about. There's another dimension of it that really focuses, say you have gone through the charismatic renewal and you've been involved in the encounter and you've learned better ways of relating and you're starting to really develop reaching out in evangelization and in mercy works and things like that. There still is another dimension, and that comes from, I think, and I'll just say what that scripture is, Matthew 3, verses 11 and 12, when uh, people were questioning John the Baptist about the Messiah and was he the Messiah and things like that. And he said, definitely said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes or wash his feet. He said, but, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, the real issue is, what is this fire that we're talking about? What's this fire? And, and that's, a, that's the topic of our discussion, really. And that's a third installment of the empowerment of the Spirit that leads us to further transformation in life. Now, when you check out scriptures, the, the scriptures are filled with references to fire. We see, for example, the burning bush with Moses. He saw the bush. He was in walking, taking care of the sheep of the, his father-in-law. He's walking. He sees the burning bush, and it's on fire, and it's not being destroyed. And it's curious. And he went to go further, and a, a voice said to him, Do not come any further. Take off your sandals because you are on holy ground. So the fire 
is manifested. Sometimes we see in scriptures like in in, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, fire was used to destroy. We see in other places that fire was used in the vision of Ezekiel when he saw the vision of God, God on the throne and the throne was moving and underneath it were fl- flames of fire and, and uh, power moving as, as the, the vision was coming closer. So fire has a lot of different uses, but as we come to looking at what's this mean in terms of the development of the church's grace of renewal or the charismatic renewal in this phase, fire comes to mean not just a, a, a purification, which is used in spiritual in, in, in spirituality and in, in the theology of spirituality. Fire is used as the purification time in growth and holiness, and also in the enlightened time there's a purification. And it's used as purification. In some ways, God honestly seems to use fire to destroy in a punishing way because of sin and, and unrepentance and a, a un, unresponse to the call of God's will in their life and in the life of a community. So now we're looking at what does fire mean? What is this fire? And basically the fundamental use of fire in the scripture seems to be that fire is the at the very heart of the empowerment of the spirit, a new spiritual empowerment. Now when you take that and you look at it in terms of the culture of mercy that we're living in, as the church has determined and brought forth, <coughs> excuse me, that fire becomes a transforming power of a new dimension of not just the relationship with Jesus, but a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts, but in a deeper experience of moving from a normative Christian life to a mystical Christian life because mystical is the direct, as I'm using it here, the direct infusion of the grace and empowerment to the, for the personal and communal transformation of the individual and of community, which we understand to be, which we understand to be basically, uh, the, those types of things is what the, work of the Holy Spirit is in bringing us to the kind of full experience of the church's grace of renewal. So being baptized in fire is something we need to provide for, to pray with people for, to include in our, as we have a healing ministry here, when the healing ministry, God said the healing ministry, and the fire is part of the prayer that comes to people who have are ready to receive and are willing to be generous in experiencing a deeper transformation in personal holiness and in the holiness within relationships and in the service and ministry of the church in the culture of the culture of compassion and which we have entered into at this time in society. Now I'm uh, without. That's hard. That's a lot of theory that I pointed out here, and uh, I, I suppose there would be many questions coming from that if we had a group of people sitting here, which we hope to do at some point in our retreats. But I'm going to ask Margaret if she would share her personal experience of uh, what happened to her when she experienced the baptism of fire, in addition to the spirit that she received in her life. So here's Margaret. Yeah, so this was actually a different experience than being baptized in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 
1987 or either 1988. I can't remember if it was my, if it was the first semester or my second semester as a freshman at Franciscan University. But then fast forward to when I was a novice with the TOR sisters and it was actually, um, you, Father David, were preaching the homily. We were at a covenant community mass, um, for, uh, Servants of Christ the King. We were associate members of that covenant community way back in the day. <laughs> and um, and I was just at Mass, and you were the main celebrant, and you were giving a homily on that exact scripture about um, John the Baptist saying that the Lord would come and baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. And, um, and to be honest with you, I cannot remember the concepts of what you were preaching. All I can remember is I just keep picturing it was like, um, like my torso was like a bird cage, right? And the Holy Spirit was in there and was flapping wildly. Like, um, I was so, there was such a response inside of me to what you were preaching. And I really thought that you were going to have us, you know, let's pray over each other for this. And you didn't. And, um, and then that evening there was a prayer group meeting. And so I had gone to it, um, just as a novice and and with the sisters and had had gone to it. And before it started, I I went down to the, or back to the restrooms in the back of the building. And, um, it was a gym where this was being held and, um, Holy Rosary gym. And, um, one of my sisters had gone to the restroom too. So when we came out of the restroom, I had grabbed her, pulled her into the locker room and said, Hey, you know what father David was preaching about this morning? And she said, yeah. And I said, pray over me for that. And she kind of, she like, you know, scrunches up her face and goes, I don't even know what it is. I said, you don't have to know what it is. I just asked you to pray and like, God knows what it is, you know? And she's like, okay. And it was just, I mean, it it truly was the Lord's response. It wasn't because her prayer was so fervent or anything, because she just kind of, she was only half invested in it. You could kind of tell. And she was like, okay. And she goes, she just started to say the Lord's name. You know, she just started to say Jesus, but she only got G out and, um, and just went to raise her hand and he wasn't even touching me yet. And it was such a tremendous experience of power. It knocked me on my behind. And I was what we would call in charismatic circles, we call resting in the Holy spirit and for probably about 20 minutes. And it, I just remember this profound experience of in my mind's eye, like all I could see was, um, it was a, a, a being, which of course I would understand to be the Lord. And it was just light though. I couldn't see a person. I could just see like this incandescent, like radiance that was so other. And, um, and it was like his hand and yet it wasn't a hand in, in this kind of vision that I was having. And he came in like to where I knew understood to be his heart and pinched off this fire and like put it in my heart. And, that was, that was all I saw. It was very interesting to see because I'm all see, seeing all of this happen where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the Lord's face. It wasn't his actual hand. It wasn't his actual heart. The whole thing was taking place with this light. And yet he was communicating what he was doing. <clears throat> and so, um, when I kind of, you know, came to and came out of that experience, um, it was, 
so it was, it's really kind of changed everything in my life because what happened the next three days were, um, were so profound and so other than anything I've ever experienced. And what they were was, um, it's kind of language really fails, you know, so I'm going to just kind of, kind of poke at it. But, um, all I can say is it felt like I was like drowning in God and particularly in his love. It was so overabundant and superfluous and far surpassing anything that, you know, we hear those words, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it so much as dawned on man. But, um, but so, um, but we hear those words, but it, it's one thing to hear those words and it's another thing to experience that it's so far. It's not just different in, in degree from worldly pleasure. It's a different in kind and degree. So just so much greater, so much more. And it was so much that it felt like I couldn't even function. I mean, even going about daily tasks just felt like I was just kind of hanging on to, to the experience of what was around me. Um, and I remember particularly sitting at, I think it was lunch. Um, one of the next, because this went on for three days, this whole experience of just felt like I was drowning in God and sitting at lunch with my sisters in the convent and, all of a sudden it was towards the, I guess the end of the meal. I don't know where the beginning of the meal or the middle went to, but all of a sudden my, some of my sisters were saying, sister Margaret Mary, sister Margaret Mary, my, you know, my religious name, and they were calling me and I just kind of, I kind of came out of whatever zone I was in and kind of snapped out. And I looked, you know, glanced around the table and saw everybody's plates were clear and my plate was still piled with food. And, um, which isn't how it would normally be. Usually I would finish eating before everybody else beyond seconds. But, um, I just, I mean, it was, that's how much I was outside of what was going on. And I, it was just, it was, it was all consuming, you know, it was all consuming of my attention. That's why I was in that, that place. It was all consuming of my energy, my attention, my experience of reality. It was, um, it really got to the point where on the third day, I remember very distinctly, I remember where I was, I was on the second floor and walking past the novitiate lounge. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, this is great. Like, this is really great. But, um, if you're going to take me home, <laughs> you're welcome to go ahead and do that. Cause I think this is going to kill me. Like you're bigger than me. And like, I can only, I can only take so much of this. And, um, and so it did, you know, it, 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 it didn't end right there on the spot, but after three days it was, that was it. And, um, but it changed everything because, because then, you know, at, at 23, I was diagnosed with acromegaly and the doctors had told me there was nothing they could do for me. And, and when I felt like, you know, was kind of being told that, you know, death was <laughs> around the corner, I really didn't. I didn't have any fear of it. To me, it was, it was exciting. It felt like an adventure because I knew by that experience that our human bodies can only take so much. There's only so much 
we we think that we chase after pleasure and we just can't get enough pleasure. Like I'm profoundly aware that, that this body can only tolerate so much pleasure. So it makes sense to me that we need, we need transformed glorified bodies in order to be able to even really like tolerate, you know, in order to be able to, to take in all that the Lord has for us because he's infinite and we're finite. And so to be able to really receive that and experience it, because um, I'm just so thoroughly convinced that the other can, I mean, we just be incinerated by not in a, not out of, you know, anger or something like that from the Lord, but just out of the, how other he is and how, how powerful, right. It's just so far beyond. So did that, did that make me, um, did that make me perfect? No, I had times in my life after that of, you know, of great sin. I ended up in a same sex relationship, ended up away from the church. And yet through all of those, those, um, kind of wandering years that were responses of responses out of pain to a lot of things that I had gone through, um, that experience, I know that the Lord kept me like tethered to when I was at a point of questioning, everything because of um, some of the people and institutions I'd been hurt by, I knew I could never question um, his lordship because there is no way, there is no way that I could have conjured up that experience because if I could, I can guarantee you, I would do nothing other than sit around and conjure up that experience for the rest of my life because it was so amazing. And, and yet at the same time, like how, perfect his mercy that because of course he's omniscient and he knew that I was going to have times of like airing and, and I still do. I'm obviously, obviously like, you know, still very human and, and sin, but, um, and yet like in his great mercy, knowing that I was going to sin in the ways and to the extent that I did, like he, for knowing that he still gave me that, I think to keep me, tethered to himself and then just think like yeah his his goal is always for connection and perfectly um understanding of the fact that this life is all a process and he knew that i needed that my heart needed that information i'm using that term like really widely but in order to keep me um to keep my heart tethered to his does that make sense you know and um yeah so it 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 was profound and it's it's changed everything and it really um i think if i kind of i always you know we grappled with whether i should share this story or not in this podcast and i think the reason i i do is not not to brag and i would hope that you know i would my fear in sharing it is that to make people feel jealous because I wish it's, you know, something I would wish for everyone. And yet at the same time, um, I, I would want everybody to be able to live in that pervasive truth of, of how much the Lord has for us and the like surpassing like love. That's just so far beyond anything we can imagine. Thank you, Margaret. I appreciate very much. I've heard the story a number of times, and it's a fantastic experience of the fire of the Holy Spirit. 
in addition to the baptism of the Spirit and the follow-through on that. So we could ask the question at this point is, you know, well, okay, now what do we do? And and where we go from here, you know, if this is true, that the uh, the wonderful gifts of the charismatic renewal and other renewal movements as, as well in the church— and from the charismatic renewal, we move into the encounter, where it's more focuses on a relationship and the anointing and the understanding of how to bring the spiritual gifts into our life. And then we move into the deeper level of being baptized in fire. Well, we have a, not an answer, but we have a possibility here where we can advance this and move this forward. And that's called an association that that, uh, Margaret has developed in the things that she does. And that's the Association of of, uh, Sacred Heart Healing Ministries. And uh, these uh, things are going to really be opening up the door to retreats. And so when, when when people want to go on a retreat, our expectation in giving a retreat is going to be that individuals are open to receive the healing they need, but in more than that, that they're open to what the Holy Spirit wants in their life, what really wants. And we don't have to have three segments of the transformation of the Holy Spirit. On these retreats, we're looking for the power and work of the Holy Spirit to bring forth all of the fruits the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits and gifts of the Spirit and the renewal in the Holy Spirit, the renewal in in uh, human and in spiritual integration in relationships and the renewal of understanding the power and gifts of, of, of mercy and the gifts of mercy and the, and the culture of mercy is the context in which we are able to do these retreats and, and that we would really be providing these things for those who are interested. So in conclusion then, is uh, I think I'm going to give it over to Margaret to see if she has anything to say before we stop. I do. You know, I'm from. I was. I'm thinking about this. I was thinking when you were first sharing in the beginning. I jotted myself a note here. I think the whole idea of where it always takes my mind for um, application for everyone based on this. Like, how how do we apply it? That's always what I'm wondering when I'm listening to to a podcast, right, or to a talk. And think, okay, so what does th- what does this mean for me, right? And so if you're if you're thinking that um, as our listeners, like, I really want to share this story with you. So this was a couple of years ago. There's a quote um, by Saint Catherine of Genoa um, with who I was like not really familiar at all, other than she existed, and that was really it. And um, and yet there was a quote by her. Then the quote is my deepest me is God. And I just thought that quote was so profound and so beautiful. And so I thought, okay, well, in all honesty, I don't really know her at all. I should really find out something about this lady. And so I had gone on Amazon to order a book about her life and, and which I had. (laughs) So I thought, so, and yet the Holy Spirit apparently changed the order or changed what got shipped to me. So I ordered a book that when it was the autobiography or I can't remember either biography or autobiography of St. Catherine of Genoa and what came instead, apparently what the Lord (laughs) thought I needed was, um, the revel, her revelations on purgatory. And so I go, okay, I'm game. Like if the Lord wants to send me a different book than what I ordered, like, okay, apparently there's something in, in this for me. So I read the book and it was very profound. Like, so, um, what, my my summary of what was revealed to her was that that fire that you were talking about earlier, that purifying fire, that it's all 
one fire, that that fire that I saw the Lord kind of pinch off and put in my heart, and that fire that John the Baptist promised we would be baptized in, um, or that fire that sometimes comes as what would what would seem like, you know, punishment sometimes as a fire of love, sometimes that it's all one fire and it's all the fire of God's love. And I, th- I think that's so, um, it grounds me a lot of times and it, it'll bring me back. I even had this little bracelet made up that says one flame and I wear it to remind me if there's something really that I'm struggling with through the day that just feels very, feels painful and feels you know, purifying and that kind of thing, that it's, it's all ultimately a gift of love from the heart of the Lord. And that, that helps me stay in a place of feeling connected to him instead of feeling disconnected, right? Feeling loved, um, and held close instead of like rejected and pushed off, right? Like he doesn't know, he doesn't understand, he doesn't get it. Instead, it helps me feel embraced. And, um, so I just, I think that's such a, a beautiful concept and it really changed how I saw purgatory right? before purgatory seemed like, okay, you just barely made the cuts, you know, like for a football team. And now you have to, you know, go through all of this torment, you know, God's going to get his one last zing at you to, to, out of, you know, some sort of like revenge or something like that for the, the, the sinful things that I've done through, through my life, he's going to get it all out of his system before I'm able to go to heaven. And this really changed that instead purgatory really, um, if you look at it in the light of the revelations to Catherine of Genoa, they're much more, um, it's much more coming. I mean, then, then those things themselves are from love. It's not just, we wait to heaven to be loved by God. I mean, that's love itself. It's, it's purifying. And, and I can go back to that experience of baptism and fire and go, we, we do need to be purified in order to be able to receive that much love. Not because somehow I'm bad, I'm dirty. And I mean, you know, I'll leave that up to the Lord, but it's more of, I see it more as from a concept of, um, of how other his love is and all of this kind of dross, you know, like, like how silver is purified needing to be scraped off. So we're really ready for that much for like all that he has for us. But even in and of itself, purgatory being a place of, um, being a gift, right? I guess that's the way to sum that up being a gift of his love. And then I think about the the scripture about like he chastises every son he loves, you know, and that's so, so seeing that again, you know, from that scripture as like that chastisement, that purification is because we're loved. Like that's what it's about. It's about, it's a, it's a loving preparation for being able to receive like infinite love for all eternity. Um, so yeah, so I, it's a, a way to conceptualize the the beautiful consolations, and it's a way to um, conceptualize the sufferings that come, and then even purgatory is all one big flame. It's all the fire of love from the heart of the Lord, and so to that extent, whether you have experiences like I had of those, you know, Holy Spirit two by four in the face that planted me on my backside. And, you know, some of us are a little, 
more hard-headed and we kind of need that approach. But I think we all have those experiences of um, things by which the Lord brings us into to that fire of his love. Sometimes it's profound consolation. Sometimes it feels really painful, and yet it's all coming from the fire of his love. I'd just like to conclude by mentioning a, a passage. I believe it's in Luke, but I can't remember where it is. I think I think it's somewhere in Luke 12. But it talks about Jesus saying, I, I, I have this great anxiety for a baptism, a baptism of fire, and I cannot wait until it's over. It's something like that. And so why, what's that? The, the, that is an invitation by the Lord for us to enter into the power and glory and the suffering of his cross so that we really in this culture, in this age of, of mercy, we become servants of mercy who really open up the door, not just in spiritual intimacy and in valued and known and chosen and just open up the door, of, you know, being open to the Lord so that we can share his cross with him and the power of his cross because we know that all things are being made new and that Jesus is the author of the new covenant. And as we live in the new covenant, we enter into the res- risen life of the Lord and through the power of the cross. And what a, what a life that is. And as I think as we do this sharing back and forth, how wonderful is the grace of God as he brings us through. And, and when we do these retreats that we're planning, we just really hope <clears throat> That individuals want to take, open up their life to the Lord in a deeper way. They probably already have and are searching and looking and healing is a part of that. But the, the goal is union. The goal is a union of love in the glorified Christ through the power of the cross and then becoming an agent and servant of mercy by becoming missionary disciples of missionary disciples of atonement and restoration and repentance of our sin and the sins of the nation and of the world. So may God bless you all as we finish up here in this uh, podcast and uh, hope to do some things for you again. Thanks, Father David. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Um, Just as a reminder, our books are available on Amazon, Father David's book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture, and my books as well, uh, More Than Words and Fearless. And um, please visit sacredhearthealingministries.com for information about our upcoming healing retreat, His Heart Heals. That's coming up September 26th through the 30th in Toronto, Ohio, about 20 minutes north of Steubenville, Ohio. And you can also um, have a big announcement that I haven't announced yet, and that's that I will no longer be doing intensive trauma therapy like I've been doing for the last 16 years, making a a great big change. And I'm going to be doing healing, wellness, and relationship coaching with some particular focus on some marriage preparation kind of programs and um, really happy about that. And those will all be available by Zoom, so people won't even have to travel to me like as has been the case for the last <laughs> almost you know more than a decade and a half of my life so really happy for those new changes and to be able to make healing available to uh, hopefully a lot more people a lot wider um, group of people so those things are all available at sacredhearthealingministries.com 
information on the retreat and the sign up for the retreat. You'll find it at the top of the homepage. And um, I look forward to seeing you if you're joining us for the retreat and listening to this podcast. We can't wait to, um, to really dig more fully into these things and really take the time that a retreat affords us to be able to absorb these truths of the love that the Lord has for each one of us that so far surpasses anything we can ask or imagine. So thank you and God bless you. Have a great day and may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.